0: All right, friends, today we are talking about tilling. Go ahead and turn your tiller off, turn your mower off, and give us about 20 minutes to talk to you about why you might not need that tiller anymore and different approaches that you can do to improve your soil health, improve your garden without any kind of machinery. Hey, friends. Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead.
1: We go back to basics in all things family, faith and farming and we're eager to teach you what we've learned. Everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle.
0: We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right, friends, so we're talking about tilling the garden, tilling the soil, and why, when you do that, you're killing the soil structure. And I know this is going to be a controversial one, so I just want you to take a deep... It's a hot topic. Yeah, hot topic. Take a deep breath, open your mind a little bit, and let's just dive into this a little bit.
1: We had a controversial conversation about the necessity or lack of necessity of a tractor. And one of the main arguments people had was, how in the world would I till my garden if I didn't have a tractor? Uh, it just wouldn't be possible, wouldn't be feasible, and I don't know, i think I think that that made me realize how addicted to tilling people are when you know i mean it's it's kind of one of those things people talk about a lot these days, yeah. no till no till, no till, but uh, we wanted to just present some of the arguments for you to ponder on, and we are always open to hearing why you disagree, so yeah, you know we're There's- not we're not done. With right their life, so yeah. we haven't come to any like fast and hard conclusions, except for this is what we see being the best path forward. but anyway,
0: yeah, and I want to start with, I think that there is a little bit of a addiction to fossil fuel vehicles. Mm. I saw someone put it the other day talking about using a tractor, and they called it recreational tractor use like some people just like to drive tractors some people are just like tillers i
1: think everyone likes i mean i don't know maybe there are a few people like my grandma who doesn't like to drive a tractor but i think even the one time i drove a tractor i enjoyed it well yeah. i've you know rode, rode with my grandfather several times that was fun
0: right yeah. yeah yeah and i think so like a tiller is the same kind of thing i think there there's like there's a satisfaction and i don't know i wonder if it's like this everywhere in the world but there's a satisfaction of going out there and tilling something up and like the dirt being perfectly smooth and like fresh fresh clean dirt dirt, (laughs) and seeing that and being like i made that Mm. and now i can plant something in there Mm -hmm. but the reality is as soon as you do that you've done a lot of destruction also Mm. and there is always a place in nature for destruction and in fact like in regenerative agriculture the greater the disturbance the greater the recovery so you know the idea that When you disturb something, if given enough time, nature will heal it. Well,
1: it makes me realize, too, you know, when you till the ground, what happens next is it's a race to get your plants in before the earth does that healing. Right. And I think that what we do is we set ourselves up for failure a lot of times because we are not capable of moving faster or more efficiently than nature. (laughs) Right. So we have to be working with it on our team or we're going to fail and we're going to be frustrated and we're going to need that heavy equipment more and more and more and more and more. And that is just not really a harmonious way to, to build, to do something. And there are other ways and there are more efficient ways. And so I think, you know, learning to embrace those more efficient ways can work on a small scale and on a large
0: scale. So let's dive into some of the negatives and then I promise we're going to come towards the end. We'll give you some alternatives. So there is hope, but let's just talk about what happens when you do till. So Lacey already said you awaken the new weed Mm. seeds. There's seeds in the soil that are just sitting there dormant. And as soon as you flip them over and they see sunshine, they get a little bit warm, they're popping up, Mm -hmm. whether you want it or not. And then you start finding out that you need a hundred different kinds of hoes and rakes and other kinds of tillers just to maintain that bare soil look.
1: Yeah, not only that, there's this really beautiful, intricate web of life going on beneath the soil that we can't see. And the second we use a tiller and break that up, it gives us space for the dirt to just become compact because it's going to start collapsing in on that structure and you lose that beautiful, sort of aerated, naturally kind of ready for growth system. And and so I think when we till, we don't realize how much of an impact we're having and it's actually a detriment. And what, you know, this is kind of a common thing that people have the first year, they till everything up and they have this beautiful garden because they've released all this carbon and all that beautiful microorganisms living beneath the surface. And so they grow right into that and then everything is amazing. And then the next year, it's not as good because all that carbon has been flipped over and then evaporated into the atmosphere and gone. So I think that that's actually one of the most detrimental things, is to have this early success with the tilled garden, and then the next year and the year after that and the year after that. It just gets more and more difficult, and you have to have more and more inputs to make it successful.
0: Yeah, and I I was thinking about this the other day. Like, the soil food web, I guess you can call it, like... When you you start thinking about everything that's below the soil, I mean, it's an entire community of organisms above and below the soil. And when you till, you basically come in and just flip all that up and like rip all that apart. And when you start picturing it that way, like nature can rebuild that, but to rebuild it, it takes time.
1: It'd be like if you went into the ocean and you chopped down all the coral reef and said, it's okay because I'm going to plant something here. You know, of course, it's not as easy to like see the beauty, but there are there are little things like fish floating in the soil or the food web down below, and there's I mean there's all kinds of little grass like um amoeba type things like you can visualize the coral reef, right, but that is really what's happening beneath our soil. And if we can tap into that and we can just grow in harmony with that, then we'll maintain that beautiful structure. And we'll add to it and we can, you know, honestly harness that for our benefit.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like another aspect of it is the, I have on here on the notes, the paying for a tiller and maintaining a tiller and all of that becomes Just an added layer. An added layer of, and the
1: repairing of the tiller right, it doesn't the work.
0: Going out to start the tiller and the tiller doesn't work. And like then going
1: to the gas station to get gas.
0: Yeah. That whole, like, that's a whole... um, It's a
1: reliance program.
0: It is a reliance program, and it's an expense that, as homesteaders, we don't really need. I mean, it's the same as tractors. We don't need that expense either. I Um, think
1: that it's interesting because if you look back over the course of history, there have been farmers for a really long time. There have been tractors for about 100 years. So I think we think that the only way to farm is the way that, you know, we do it with a tractor. But we have just been indoctrinated that that's the way that we have to do it, and that that's the way that we can feed the humanity. But it really isn't an accurate portrayal of the best way to feed humanity. There's so much abundance, and the truth is I think you can produce more on smaller plots if you don't till than as much as you you produce on these larger plots that are all monoculture systems that just are really for lack of a better word, kind of raping the land of everything good it has and then leaving it depleted once finished.
0: Yeah. And I would say like, let's start diving into like just kind of a a no-till concept. And I would say that this is like, this is outside of your traditional market garden. But when you start getting to like the homestead level, you don't need mechanicalized equipment to harvest. Lacey was kind of hitting on this. So those squares and rectangles and right angles that you see in all of the industrial agriculture you don't need mm-hmm. unless you're going out there with some kind of harvester which I don't think any of you are you don't need that that kind of those kind of angles mm-hmm. so as soon as you get rid of that then you can start working with nature when you look at nature and I know we've talked about this before but When you look at nature, it's spirals and circles and soft edges and round edges. Mm. And when you start designing your garden that way and your homestead that way, now you've become aligned with nature and you can start working with nature instead of trying to be at war with nature. Mm
1: -hmm. Or or even mechanized. I think, you know, like...
0: Well, I think a mechanized, as soon as you say that word, it just sounds like hard and war-like machine to me. It does,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, yeah. If you think about a lot of the practices that the conventional farmers are using, they are using tools that were built for war. Literally. Right. The yeah. poisons that we put on our plants and you know, the roundup, the glyphosate, all of these things are were originally meant to be war tools, wars you know. Right. And so we we're like, Oh, I know what we should do. We should make our food with these. Right? right. Because yeah. it is the same attitude towards farming of let's beat this this earth that we're living on. Let's outsmart it. Let's outwit it. And I mean, there's so much abundance if we just like lean into what's happening already. And granted, you know, weeds can be frustrating and grass growing where you don't want it to be is frustrating or not growing where you want it to be or whatever, you know, all of these things can be extremely frustrating. But I really think, you know, it's a lot like, our. you know, if you think about earth as our body and you think about the intrusion of any kind of overdoing medication or... You think about picking a scab, right? Like, that's really what I think about when we till the land. You're not giving your body this opportunity to heal appropriately and then have full health. And without full health, you're ob- obviously going to promote or you're going to live a less healthful life. And the earth does the same thing. And if we can, you know, make it work together, we're just going to have this, this better thing going
0: on. Yeah. Which makes me think the scab makes me think of like diving into like the. What do you do if you don't till? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Moving on. Yeah. (laughs) How do we not pick that scab? Right. Right. Like
0: I would say the first thing, and if you haven't listened to this podcast, yeah, go back and listen to the wood mulch podcast. Mm. That was a couple of weeks ago. But the idea of bringing in more carbon and putting it on top of the soil and that helps smother out weeds, but it also just increases the diversity in the soil community A a lot more. So you're like, again, working with nature, you're replicating nature.
1: Well, that's what happens in the forest floor, right?
0: Right, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like when you see a tree in the woods falls over and creates mulch, basically, or the leaves drop off the tree. So another... Every
1: year to fertilize that forest floor so that tree grows healthier in the following year.
0: Isn't that crazy? Mm. It's like a whole cycle. (laughs) So you can do the same on your homestead, though, is like, you know, it's funny, like you go into the city and the... A lot of people will bag up all their leaves and you can actually go collect those if you need extra leaves. Like when we lived in the city, we used to take our Subaru around and pack it Uh full of bags of leaves and then bring them back to our place and put them in our garden. But you can also just get what you've got around and put it on your garden bed. So leaf mulch, wood mulch are great ways to start building even more diversity. Now, like Lacey said No matter what, you're going to have some weeds popping up where you don't want them. But you just got to start thinking about, like, what are these weeds? What are they doing? What
1: are they telling me? What are they telling me?
0: And they might be something that you, like, everybody tells you is a weed, but it turns out it's like plantain or dandelion, which, like, in our garden, we just allow those things to be there because Mm -hmm. they popped up. They're here healing the soil. And you can use them as food. I mean, they're delicious. Mm -hmm. The next step I would say is like, you can also use a tarp to create new plots. So instead of tilling, you can put a tarp out where you want it to be, where you want a garden spot to be and allow it to kill the grass that way.
1: And that's something we've done again and again and again successfully. So I would say, you know, it's uh, while we've given up or I wouldn't say even given up, but our garden is not, um, it's not square. It's not, it's not neat and tidy in the way that you think of, you know, sort of a market garden. But we have actually also helped with a local urban farm that does a market garden, and they don't use a tiller, and they use all of these same prop, prop, uh, principles, no-till, and we're very, very successful. So this is something that we've seen done on a large scale, even outside of our own personal home use, and, and it works. And, it, and I think that we're only just at the beginning of learning how to really, I don't know, make it the best way to, to move forward. Yeah. Um, and build systems that are lasting so that, you know, our kids don't have to build the system again, right? It's already there laid out for them and producing. So um, we do, uh, I think that's yeah. all really exciting.
0: I was thinking we do use we use uh, reusable weed cloth. So we have like, and it's not my favorite, but... It allows us to not have to till. It's like a super thick plastic, like almost like a cloth.
1: We could do mulch instead. It's just yeah. a matter of um, ease of use. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing like terrible about using modern conveniences in some places. But I think the thing that we have against it is just that plastic consumption and right. what it potentially could be leaching into the soil. But
0: and we've tried like over the years, we've tried like biodegradable plastic, which was like an absolute nightmare. It didn't last the entire season. And then there was, like, all these little fragments of plastic. I guess it was biodegradable plastic, so maybe it's okay. But it was in, like, everywhere for a long time.
1: Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you the most efficient way to build a garden bed is to start with cardboard. Lay it out as thick as you can. The lasagna method? The lasagna method. You pick a spot. You lay out that cardboard. You get it real wet. You do a couple of layers. And then on top of that, you pile some mulch, some compost. And you really just let that just... Be your garden, and you can plant right into that. So a couple weeks before you're ready to plant your garden, get this started. In fact, it's something you could do in the fall, um, or, or really in the dark of winter, um, because it's kind of damp anyway. So it's going to stay wet. Um, it's a really, a really efficient way to create new garden beds, um, and you can build up from there. You could, you could frame it in and make it a raised bed if you wanted to, or just let it mound. And let that be your bed. But I really, we've had a lot of success doing it that way also.
0: Yeah. I was, You know, the other thing I was thinking is that the reality is like thinking about the food that you're consuming. Like going more to a perennial based diet and getting away from the annuals as much. Mm. I think is one way to kind of like retrain your brain on what is food? What's it look like? Wild foraging is, I would say, another kind of way of starting to think about things like what's growing and we've talked about this before but what's growing on your homestead now that you don't even have to plant that you can eat look around get familiar with those things
1: yeah drew mentioned dandelion and and what else did you mention Uh, plantain yeah plantain
0: uh curly dock curly dock
1: yeah there are lots of things that we formerly thought were weeds and kind of were like literally battling and now when we see them come up it can be a little bit frustrating if they're in a place we don't want them, but we also know that, okay, they're there because they need, you know, that soil is too compacted. And so that soil needs to be improved before I can really get any benefit out of it anyway for these other plants. And they will do that. They'll they'll go through a cycle where you'll have plantain grow. And then once that soil is repaired, it doesn't grow there anymore. So it's a really neat thing to start learning and understanding, um, how the earth heals and how these plants are a part of that process. Um, And how we can then use them. I mean, you can eat plantain leaves in your salad.
0: Yeah. And then like, I was thinking like asparagus, sunchokes.
1: Did you say asparagus?
0: Asparagus. Did I say kiss? (laughs) (laughs) Asparagus, uh, sunchokes, and perennial garlic, onions. All of those things you can plant around your perennial plants. So like, you can have kind of this... Various levels of perennial food growing. We call those guilds, Mm. permaculture guilds, but all around like an apple tree. So instead of having this straight line of all that stuff growing, put it together, let it all work in harmony together around an apple tree that's fertilizing the apple tree then. And now all of a sudden you have all this room. Like if you picture that this long row and you make that into a circle around an apple tree, like look how much more room you have.
1: Well, and even intercropping. I mean, you can think right. about your annuals differently, too, and let them be the things you plant around your, your perennials. And you can have a much more efficient garden system this way. So, you know, say you have a few rosemary bushes or, you know, maybe blueberry bushes, and then around them you have other things growing. You, you have space or raised beds or right up next to them even. You grow these low-growing or, I mean, even larger perennials or annuals and And you can have this beautiful ecosystem going on where, you know, the things that come to pollinate your blueberries also pollinate your tomato plants. I mean, it really could be something very harmonious and way less work. And this is something that we have a work in progress going on. But if you look at our garden, it's very much like, oh, there's a blueberry bush. There's a prickly pear. There's the grapes. There's the blackberries. And it's all kind of part and partial. It all goes together together. So that, you know, it's working together too. It's not isolated off by itself in one little corner or it just creates a really more, I I, I, Edenist is the word I want to use. Edenist. Edenist Edenist garden.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think like, so bringing it all back together, like if you think about that kind of garden, like there's no spot for a tiller there. Mm. We could not like, if we went through with a tiller now, we would destroy years of growth. In, um.
1: Oh, and yeah, I mean, i that's actually a really valid point of like, just thinking about the soil where on our properties so that we've you know, bought a piece of the property that we use several years ago and the ground we've been working on with animals, especially in rotation, but the ground is hard. The ground is not mushy and and plush like the ground in our orchard where we it was hard pan when we moved in it had been scalped
0: it was like maybe a quarter inch of topsoil it
1: wouldn't grow grass it was bald in a lot of areas somebody had just been mowing it for years and we planted an orchard there and we have rotated all of the animals through there several times and just created, if somebody took a tiller to that area, I would cry.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> would tear it's, it up. it's yeah. such,
1: it's so deep. I mean, it's mushy when you walk on it, even into August, which right. is insane. And it's been producing grass all winter long. Yeah, we, we have
0: grass. A green grass, yeah, all winter.
1: So that is just to show what, you know, we 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 started that process about eight years ago, probably nine yeah. years ago. And I mean, it's just, it's this really lush, beautiful area that you could grow just about anything in now.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and now we need to go check and see how deep it is. I know. Cool.
0: I would love to see that. Uh, that that brings me all the way back around to one of my first thoughts on this was the pigs. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go listen to that one. It's a little, <laughs> bit, little bit on the funny side. But using pigs is another great way to till.
1: Oh, actually, yeah. So we have a friend using a small plot on our property while she's in between homesteads. And um, they're her pigs, too. So we're using her pigs until she has a place for them. But she's got a little garden spot. And I said, you know, we really prefer you don't till because we've been working on this Grass. We want, We have been running animals over it. We've been improving the soil quality, and I would really prefer you don't sell. So we came up with a plan to put the the uh, piggies on there for I how long. They were on there, there
0: exactly a week.
1: Exactly a week. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's ready to plant
0: They took it from grass to turned over soil, but the way pigs do it is so much different. Like it's a slower process, and it, they're like pushing their little hooves in. And we go into more detail about it in the other podcast, but it's a way more natural process. And I do think that you probably a little bit of topsoil probably does wash off, but it's just more natural. But they're
1: adding fertilizer. Right. You know, I mean, they, they're more than replenishing what they take away. And that is, I think we always want to be adding more than we're taking away. And I think tilling is just not really a way to do that. Now, the pig situation, I think, could work on a large scale for sure. You just, yeah. you just have to have either more pigs or more concentrated spots that you move them around. But you know, if we if we had started that in uh, the beginning of the you know non-growing season, we could have easily tilled a three to four acre section of. Oh, uh, for of sure. Yeah. With I, the pig.
0: I would say the only catch on that is like if you're going that route, then you need to plan, like a cover crop or something because you do need like they take it down to. Soil. Like, mm. I mean, it, it's just bare soil. And in nature, we don't see bare soil. We don't want bare soil. So, Mm-mm. oh no, I would
1: have thrown some clover yeah, out there, no problem. Clover
0: or something, because essentially, when you think about it, if there's not plants on there photosynthesizing, there's nothing to be feeding the soil food web mm. um, when you get a little bit nerdy on it. So, as soon as you can, if you're taking it down to bare soil, you do need something on there to be feeding the whole food web cycle in the soil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we've explored it a lot. I hope that you have learned about it. I hope you're considering maybe a different approach if you don't have a different approach.
1: Yeah, it made me think of... The way the piggies till, you know, they're heavy, but they're not heavy as a tractor. Right. Right, And I was just thinking, you know, it made me cry if you, if we tilled that little orchard space. It also make me cry if some, like a UPS truck backed up on it. All right. Like if the tractor drove across it. it Oh my
0: gosh. Because it
1: just would crush everything underneath Yeah. I mean, it's just a, not a natural amount of weight for the soil to hold. Yeah. So anyway, just, just, I thought I'd add that
0: little (laughs) thought that That, I had. Yeah. (laughs) Don't drive across the orchard.
1: Keep your tractor off my face.
0: So anyhow, <laughs> like I think that that uh, just hopefully gives you some ideas, some thoughts on a different approach.
1: Can I tell you one comment on Facebook that particularly made me laugh is tell me you're a farmer or not a farmer without telling me you're not a farmer. When I asked the simple question of does anybody else think that tractors are overrated? And I, it's just been sitting with me of like, yeah, you know, I probably am not actually a farmer. I, we always go back and not, forth.
0: Not according to their definition. No, definitely. My not. favorite one was the only. The only reason you don't use a tractor is because you don't know how to use one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People I, got pretty ugly.
1: People are very <laughs> – and this was in a homesteading group, so I feel like, you know, I, the truth is I don't identify as a farmer necessarily. I think it's hard for people to see the difference sometimes in, in farming versus homesteading. Yeah. But that seems like a pretty clear one. And we've talked to a lot of people and, and just been kind of like cross-referencing our thoughts on tractors, and we're not alone in our no, thoughts. we're not. But, you know, I don't also want anyone to be like, Oh well these jerks don't believe in tractors.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or tilling.
1: Or tilling. Listen,
0: yeah. you can do whatever <laughs> you want. It's all about your holistic context. That's right. We we just wanna give you some different ideas and maybe a different approach. And I
1: think about it a little bit outside the box. I think ultimately yeah. we believe in self-reliance over everything. And when you analyze a tractor, it's you can't be self-reliant with a tractor. That thing will break and you're gonna need somebody to fix it. That thing needs oil and you can't make your own oil. So I mean it's really just about like how do we cut out the things that make us rely on any kind of system so yeah
0: and i mean when you look at like supply chain right now like yeah i, I hope like five years from now we go back and laugh about supply chain but um <laughs> right now you know oh. like our our riding mower which we treat kind of like a mm-hmm. a farm vehicle it was in the shop for Say two something. two months oh
1: it felt longer yeah, it
0: felt longer but it, i mean because fortunately chain, it wasn't
1: the like grass growing season right oh but... my gosh
0: you know yeah but anyhow, okay, listen, that's, that's it for the podcast, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Listen, if you go to schoolhouselife.com, there is an option for a homestead audit where we sit down with you for 45 minutes to an hour and talk all about what's going on in your homestead, how you can improve your homestead, how to make a plan for your homestead, if you want to make money with your homestead. We kind of open up the fire hose, give you all of our wisdom of the past 20 years of homesteading and marketing. And then we provide you with an action plan at the end of that so that you have some steps moving forward. If that's something you're interested in, we'd love to talk with you more about that and get that started. If you go to theschoolhouselife.com and just click on the link for Homestead Audit, it'll get you started on that whole process. And thanks for listening and share this episode with someone you know that uses a tiller.